Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom. My name is Amy Gunn. I have been practicing law 20 plus years, and I grew up in Kentucky. That's why sometimes you'll hear the hard eyes in my in my speech. I can't get rid of them. And I work at the Simon Law Firm with at this point, three other, almost four other female lawyers. And I think based on the ratio of our firm to other firms, we've got a wonderful ratio of men to women attorneys. And I think it's unique. Unfortunately, I think it's unique to our industry. I did defense work for a number of years at a great firm, loved it, switched over to plaintiff's work, have been here 17 years, have so enjoyed the journey, have so enjoyed the interaction with clients and helping them solve their problems. I love the practice of law for that reason. And after 20 plus years, despite having loved what I've done and continued to love it, you do look for other avenues to to help, to experience, to do, to be. And I have found that to a certain extent advocating in Jefferson City for some of our clients' issues. But I also have always enjoyed mentoring. And this, to me, is a fantastic way to share experiences, not only with the women in my firm, but also with anybody else who wants to listen to our stories and potentially learn from them and not to feel as if they're in this by themselves. And that is really, really important to me. And that's what I hope to accomplish. My name is Erica Slater. And I have been working in and around law firms since I was 15. Somehow I traipsed into a law firm when I was selling an ad for my high school musical book, and they offered me a job, of which I ran and got my worker's permit because I was only 15. So I've worked in law firms since I was very young. And I think the cool thing is that if you are a loud, bossy little girl, everyone tells you you should be a lawyer, and I did not dare to disagree with them. So um, (laughs) I graduated St. Louis University Law School in 2011 and have been practicing for eight years. My career has only gotten more and more satisfying. And I think that the important thing about participating in this podcast is, in my life, the most dynamic people to my career and really to my own personal life have been my female mentors, one of which you all will have the opportunity to hear from as well on this podcast. My name is Mary Simon. So my dad is John Simon of the Simon Law Firm. And I work with my dad, my brother, Johnny Simon, my uncle, Tony Simon, and my cousin, Kevin Carney. I am the third attorney in my immediate family, and I think ninth or 10th in my extended Simon family. So the law has always kind of been in and around um, my life since I was born. I graduated from SLU Law in 2017. I clerked at the Simon Law Firm in law school, and I've only been out about two years. I love my job because the courtroom, in essence, is an an equalizer. It's a great equalizer for our clients and gives them an opportunity to be heard in a place where without us, they might not otherwise get to be heard. For me, it's necessary to have other female 
attorneys and colleagues who I can talk to about what it means to be a good attorney within the framework of being a female attorney, because it does mean something different to females than it does to males. I think that it's important to share that with with other female attorneys and bring them together um, to just talk about what it means to be an attorney in a mostly male-dominated field and being a female in that. My name is Liz Lenevy, and I am also an attorney at the Simon Law Firm. So I am a 2015 grad of St. Louis University School of Law. I've been at the Simon Law Firm since 2016, although like Erica, I clerked here in law school, went to a defense firm. I love my job. I have tried to spend my career, my, my very short career thus far, trying to fight for people who otherwise wouldn't have anyone else in their corner. Amy, do you have a book that you write in at depositions? I do have a book. Tell it's me about a, that it's book. It's a special book. <laughs> and so on occasion, just occasionally, if I have a deponent who is less than forthcoming and or a lawyer representing that deponent or witness who is starting to irritate me, I will pause my questioning, pull out my book, put it on the table, pause and write a few things <laughs> as I'm staring at either the lawyer or the witness who's irritating me, close it back up and put it away and resume my questioning. Now, most people really have no idea what's going on when that happens, but I know, and occasionally when they'll actually see it, they may, you know, might take heed, but it's just one of the little tricks that you get to play because this is fun sometimes. Yeah, okay, I like this topic, what you do in depositions to shut down an attorney who is trying to bully you because you're just a little lady lawyer. So I will tell you that I had an experience when I was a young lawyer, and it was an older gentleman who actually, when I did defense work, and I was deposing a witness. So you ask the witness, where do you live? And they'll say a city and a county. Or just a city, and you'll say, well, is that whatever county? And you say, do you have any other family members that live in that county? And you ask that question because you want to know whether any of their family members will, might be called to the jury during the trial. So it's a legitimate question. And the attorney for the, for the plaintiff just lost himself because he thought that was the craziest question and was wasting his time and objected in a speaking manner, which we all know is improper, but people try it and get away with it. And largely, it's just to try to intimidate you. So I remember I had a choice. I could either be intimidated by that, or I could punish him for that. So I'm happy to report that I punished him from that. And the manner in which the punishment occurred was I wrote very slowly what the answer was. I paused before I asked my next question. I kept asking questions at least 15 minutes later or longer than I needed to ask, longer than my outline allowed because no way was that guy going to rush me through anything. I had a job to do for my client when I was there. And more importantly, I didn't want anybody to read that transcript later and see that someone who just objects in a speaking manner and tries to intimidate me, can actually get away with it and be taught that that's okay to do to me. 
So when he mentioned that he had a golf game to get to, <laughs> I knew that I had done the right thing. And I kept the witness there for at least 15 minutes later. And it was not easy, right? I mean, you find yourself, you're kind of like, I have physical responses even to this day to conflict and to confronting someone, even though this is part of our job. But you have a, like, you're physically like shaking over it. And I find myself, I have to steady, steady yourself, even now. And, but I wouldn't trade that for anything. And you're talking about Michelle Obama's advice. Of course, when of course. they go low, we go high, which is the same as the rule that you always teach us, which is respond, yeah. don't react. Respond, don't react. And I think it kind of freaks people out when you get real calm and you talk real slow and much quieter when they're getting all flustered and think, yelling at you or yeah, trying to bully you. That is definitely a technique mm-hmm. that is a learned technique for most people. And I try really hard to do that, and I find it is much more successful than engaging. Because the other thing I think is really important is not to take the bait. Mm-hmm. And I try, to, I try to teach myself that and anybody else that would listen to me, because all you're doing when you take the bait is allow that person to have power and control over you. And when that happens, you're not doing your best job for your client. Now I'm getting self-conscious because my story, I must have been practicing like maybe two years. And I was out of town, which when you're young and traveling for depositions, like I always feel like you're a little discombobulated when you're out of town and figuring out your logistics and meeting with your witness or whatever. So I was defending the corporate rep of our client. So the plaintiff's attorney was just kind of a rural guy, probably used to really running the show. He was an older gentleman and not a gentleman, I would say, but he wanted the corporate rep to fill out this chart he made that was like agree, disagree. And he wanted him to fill in all these boxes. And of course you knew immediately that was going to become a trial exhibit. I'm kind of freaking out and we took a break and yeah, I did call the partner I was working with and I was like, you know, he wants him to do this. Like, can he do that? Like, is that okay? And, you know, he said, just stand your ground and tell him no and that you're not going to do that. It wasn't on video or anything. So we just have a deposition transcript that is being produced during the deposition. So I did have to stand my ground and, but I had direction to do that, which gave me a little bit more confidence And we went back and forth on the record and eventually this lawyer like is yelling at me and we're staying on the record. I wouldn't go off. And he calls me little lady and he says, well, little lady, if this is what you're going to do, you know, you should learn how to practice law in this part of the state and blah, blah, blah. And that's when I took the bait, I think a little bit. So (laughs) I said, totally. And I, I did not call him, sir. I'm sure I called him Mr you know, Mr. So-and-so, we're not going to do that. We can talk about it all day, but the answer's not going to change. And if you're going to disparage me on the record, you can call me Ms. Bloom, which is my maiden name. And, (laughs) and I'm like, right after I said it, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to print that out and frame it later. I like it. It's, it was the most powerful moment I had in the deposition. And he then backed off Yeah, because that little lady, it, that is like a trigger. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, if you can like, like poke, 
like a knife in my stomach, it's going to be with a little lady. And I am a 5'9 woman. No one calls me little lady. (laughs) I'm taller than most of the men I work with. And how tall are you in heels? Oh, girl. (laughs) Add four inches, depending on the day. (laughs) So my story, in my first trial I got to participate in, I think I was third chairing, so I was way down way down the line, but uh, I was lucky enough to actually get to direct a witness. And it was a very brief witness. It wasn't a whole lot to it, but you know, you're still, you're very nervous. It's your first time in front of a jury. I, I think I was hoping no one could see me shaking. And I get up there and the judge who I think was a, a very nice man, but I get up there and after days and days of evidence and through the trial where everyone was called, you know, Miss Gunn, Mr. So-and-so counsel, I get up there with, with my outline, and he goes, young lady, are, are you ready to proceed? And all I could think was, this is like what my grandpa would say to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my grandpa's up there in a, in a robe, black robe, and he just called me young lady in front of this jury who now is probably assuming I'm a law student or someone who's just right. not qualified to be right. there. I noticed it. I don't know how many other people in the room besides maybe Amy noticed it. And I don't even know if the jury really picked up on it, but I certainly remember it. And that was three years ago. I still very vividly remember standing there going, uh, yes, Your Honor, and then trying to proceed and, and act like an attorney. And there's not much you can do in that situation because that is the judge. Your job is to sort of stand there and, and take it a little bit. And, and it wasn't anything, it wasn't like your situation, Erica, where clearly someone was trying to bully you. He was not trying to bully me. He was, I think, trying to be nice. It also made me wonder, though, has he ever had a male attorney that he has ever called young man? No. Young man, are you ready to proceed? And I I guarantee that's never happened. That doesn't happen to male attorneys where they're called young man in front of the jury. And it's an easy reference to just say counsel. I'm an attorney up there. My bar number's on those filings as well, but... I, I was young lady. You know what I think is interesting about that story, though, is I wonder it, how the jury reacted. Because, of course, those 12 people are all coming from different perspectives. And if you have someone who is maybe younger on the jury, male or female, maybe kind of sympathizing with you and be like, ooh, like, ooh, I wouldn't want anyone to call me that. Or in the opposite, you are a extremely talented younger attorney as you identify yourself and you have great responsibility and great opportunities and I think that being able to be on that stage and be trying cases with the people you try cases with it's almost like man this woman's really young and she's on this stage we should be paying attention and actually another story from that same trial was Amy was up there and she was at a sidebar arguing with multiple defense attorneys. I mean, there were multiple male defense, attorneys. multiple male mm-hmm. defense attorneys. I think there were eight total. They, they brought <laughs> these huge trial teams and Amy was at a sidebar and there were four or five men around her and, you know, these all black suits and she's got on something very brightly colored. She definitely stands out. And I remember leaning over to our male co-counsel and saying, hey, do you want to get up there and help her? It's, it's kind of like a one-on-five situation up there. And he goes, no, 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 no. I like these optics. This looks good. And he goes, watch the jury. And sure enough, I look over and, and all of the women on the jury are watching Amy. And one of them actually, I, I can hear her lean over and say, you know, 
look at her, look at her go, look at her go up there with those boys. And so it, it, it is an absolute advantage sometimes from a, from a juror perspective. I think when you have female jurors or men on the jury who are aware of these types of situations, when you are the only woman up there or when you are, you are a young woman up there and someone treats you differently than, than how everyone else is being treated, I think that can be advantageous and, and something that we should definitely, you know, keep in our back pocket. Mm-hmm. I think it, it kind of falls into that category of being underestimated, which to me is I one of the it. best things that you can do for me, for mm-hmm. our for our practice, for our clients. Please do that. Please think I'm the court reporter. Yes. That would be amazing. Please do that. And please just assume that I'm not prepared that don't have the experience. If they didn't send the A-team. Right. Just please do that because you will be sorely disappointed at the end of the day, you being the other side, of course. Mm-hmm. But it takes, it takes some strength to get past that disappointment, to get past that feeling lesser than when someone underestimates you. And it, it, ha- it took me some time to really get past that and see the long game. Mm-hmm. And say to myself, oh, this, is, this hurts right now, but this is going to be great. And more importantly, to absolutely punish them for it. Mm-hmm. Just to n- no holds barred, not feel bad about it. Just absolutely punish them for underestimating you. That's the point, though. I think that going through all those experiences are exhausting, especially when you're a younger attorney. And I feel like I'm kind of at that nexus of I identify and relate to all the young attorneys at our firm, but I also, you know, want to show up for all the things that any attorney in our firm can do. Liz, you're talking about, you know, this is how I felt when this happened. It like kind of cut me off at the knees right before directing a witness at trial. And it's so exhausting to get past that experience early on and get to the other side of that. Right. And until you do, you're like, Oh, I didn't know there was another side. Right. And, it's worth it. And it's worth it to muddle through this yeah. bad parts. And you've done it time and time again and you've overcome someone calling you little lady or young lady or, you know. And I will say that at this point in my career, I'm not sure I'd be upset anymore if someone called me young lady. Just <laughs> oh. throw that out there. Yeah. I, you're overplaying <laughs> that card. You may get that more often than <laughs> than people think. I'm like, oh, thank you, Your Honor. Yeah. Appreciate that. But don't you think that getting over that and part of like getting past that in your career is having your ladies around yes I mean I, I never went to any of my male bosses and was like well listen to what happened I called me little lady <laughs> I didn't like it well I think I think the experience itself is empowering but you kind of internalize that but then if you're able to share it with other women who have been through it or who might go through it that's really the education that mm-hmm. is really where you where you can digest that and and walk away from it saying, okay, that was a bad experience. I didn't like that. I felt degraded. It was really upsetting to me. But when you walk away after having a conversation with someone who's been through it or who might go through it or just say, you know, good job, good job getting through that, that's when you walk away, you put that in your pocket, and you are ready for the next time. Mm-hmm. And every single time that happens to you, every single time – when you fill up that pocket, when you fill up your fill up your experience with things that happen that you can survive, and not only survive but turn it around mm-hmm. and make yourself better at what you do and more confident and more powerful, that is the lesson. 
I have excellent male and female mentors, without a doubt. But something that is so important with females is when you share stories and you become relatable to other female attorneys, you know, I I am so privileged to be at the Simon Law Firm where we have such strong, successful, brilliant female attorneys that I get to work with every day. And when I share the knowledge that the female attorneys at this office give to me and talk to some of my other law school classmates who don't have that at their firm, I'm able to talk to them and say, I know it doesn't have to be like that for you because it's not like that for me. And I wouldn't, you know, that's the power of mentorship and sharing stories. And and listen to our podcast. <laughs> and listening to the podcast. <laughs> because there are so many female attorneys, and I'm saying new or younger female attorneys because that's where I'm at, that I know of who are either working at law firms or, you know, their day-to-day work experience is so different because they lack female attorneys in their office just as a as a partner or just seeing female attorneys walk through the office I think has a difference or makes a difference to younger or newer female attorneys because I know it has for me and when I share my stories with my colleagues from law school it's some of them are night and day and the only thing that's different about that is that I have female attorney colleagues and they don't or you know the the attorney who they work for or the 15 or 20 or 30 or 100 attorneys who they work for, they don't have female attorneys who they can go to and talk to about their problems or their law practice. Something else, uh, looking at this from a slightly different angle, is that I hope our podcast can also be listened to by male attorneys who have female, younger associates Absolutely. working for them. and. I can't help but think of our vice president, Mike Pence, who made a comment about how he doesn't take other women other than his wife out to dinner. And and my immediate thought was, well, do you take, you know, your male interns out to dinner? Are you not including your female interns? Do you have any female interns? And, and so what I, I hope that can come out of this podcast, too, is that male attorneys can listen to this and hear our stories in a very, I think, open and honest fashion and see not only the importance of having female partners, of having female in leadership roles in their firms, but in finding different ways to mentor their young female associates because it, it is different. And I think... There is a lot of desire in the legal community at firms big and small to see women lawyers succeed. And there's lots of reasons for that. If you have a law firm and there's a lot of attrition, for whatever reason, that costs your law firm money. So if you have attrition of women attorneys because it's just not a very collaborative area, there's not, they're just not comfortable there, it's not fitting their life, whatever it is, you're going to lose money as a law firm. And if, even if you're not buying into the women are different and diversity is important, which I don't think there's a lot of people that would, that actually feel that way. But even if you don't think diversity is important and you're doing just fine, 
I'm pretty sure you care about your bottom line. And so in order to look at an introspective uh, view of your firm, why are you losing lawyers? And if those lawyers that you're losing are women, then you need to think about why and, and really do things to find out why and to fix it. And I think asking questions to women attorneys or listening to women attorneys explain why, what upsets them or what makes them want to not stay in their chosen profession is important. And so I agree, Liz. I think part of what we're hoping to accomplish is uh, not just being mentors, so to speak, for women attorneys to get through the day or to handle a situation, but to educate those who care about retention of female attorneys and not just retention, but grooming in a way that will make them successful for your law firm, for your clients. So I think that this was a great first episode and I'm really looking forward to our future episodes and kind of delving more into different topics that affect us as lawyers. And so I I hope you all enjoyed this episode and you can tune in next week. If you have questions, if you have stories, if you want to give us some unsolicited advice, that's cool too. You can also visit us at heelsinthecourtroom.law. Thank you for listening. Talk to you next time. Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.